Episode 82, What We Agree Works for Weight Loss. Welcome to the School of Weight Loss podcast, where we empower you to reach your healthy weight goals with less wasted effort, money, and time. This is the podcast that uses evidence-based tips and tools to simplify weight loss for the ladies who've tried it all. If you struggle with obesity or being overweight, you're tired of endless dieting and never reaching your goals and just plain tired with life, this is the podcast for you. I'm your host, obesity medicine certified physician, life and weight loss certified coach, Dr. Emily Vinzan. Let's get this episode started. Hello there, ladies. So listen, those of you who've been following for a while know I've been talking quite a bit over the last few months about a tech project I've been working on. And I just wanna share with you all that it's getting closer and closer and it's gonna be really exciting. So for those of you ladies who tell me you've been listening to the podcast, you don't miss an episode, make sure to stay tuned in because it's really exciting what I've got coming for you all in Dr. Emily's School of Weight Loss. That being said, really brought up this topic for me as I've been doing a lot of research. So not everybody's as obsessed with weight loss as I am. (laughs) Generally, I'm usually reading three types of books, all the coaching type of books, the mindset books, something on the physiology, kind of the obesity medicine side of weight loss, and a devotional or fun read always going on. My husband laughs so hard at me because he's like, how do you manage three books at a time? I'm like, oh, well, I like to read this for a little bit, then this for a little bit. (laughs) So if you're a bookworm, me too. I love it. But oftentimes I know that that takes us into what we call analysis paralysis. And by that, I mean, I start reading this book and I'm like, ooh, I love this idea. I love that idea. Ooh, I love that. I want to take that and bring that to my ladies. Ooh, they could benefit from this. And then there's the other side of it that's like, I don't agree with that. Is that really true? Or is that your spin on it? Is this your individual spin on it? And that happens in every single thing I read, right? Because we all bring our own brains to it. I think it's one of the probably most beautiful things about being someone who's open to say, hey, I would like to have the most evidence-based plan I wanna know what really works, and I also wanna know what people are doing in that and how they're making it work. And I listen to experts in one specific area who argue with a different specific area. And then I think of you all and I think, how do they navigate this world? Because I'm pretty up on the evidence and I know what the big studies show and what we can really get behind versus what the nuances are in what people tell you. So as I've been working on these tech projects, I've been thinking of what unifies the evidence. What can we all agree on works for weight loss? That's what this podcast episode will be about. So I'm not going to go super into the trials and the studies behind it because that would be like a two-hour podcast episode. Just know that there's lots of evidence behind what I'm telling you we can agree works for weight loss. I also want you to recognize that the fact that there's a lot of people telling you different things is actually a good thing. That means there's a lot of different theories out there because let's be honest, we're not overall winning on this epidemic right now. As I shared on a recent podcast episode, the number of people in the United States in the obese, severe and morbid obese categories is drastically increasing, but the overweight category is staying about the same. So that's interesting, right? I mean, it tells us that we're not winning, but there's some huge things that are shifting. 
I want to start just by opening with that because I think that that's something huge for you all to realize. What we agree works for weight loss is changing, but these things that I tell you are going to feel very basic and like they've been around for a long time because they have. We know that they work. That's what we can agree on. There are things that we're starting to agree on that are really interesting that we wouldn't have agreed on five years ago. Those are things like our current increased weight risks in the United States are likely what we call epigenetics based. And by that, I mean, we have a culture, an environment that is triggering certain genes in certain people more than others that's making their weight skyrocket. So it's like a combination of what we've brought into our environment, ultra processed, hyper palatable, super convenient foods that are available all the time is affecting some people's genetics differently than others, right? Because we all live in this culture. So for some people, it really is harder than for other people. And that I would say is something that we're starting to agree more and more and more on. The other side of it is that we're also starting to agree that our bodies have what we call set points. People call this by different names. I think in an early podcast episode, I called it the lipostat, which is what one of the initial researchers called it. You would call it a plateau. And I think the more common term that we're hearing is set point in the medical world, where these are these numbers that you can get to and you can kind of sit around there and you may be able to eat a little bit more, eat a little bit less. It's harder to budge from that number once you get there. And that is all hormonally based. We know there's all sorts of different hormones that are involved in this cascade. Through that, we're learning even more and more. So I just wanted to share that background because I think that that's important for you to know. That underneath all this, that old adage that this is just about willpower and following somebody else's plan is not going to pan out to be true. I shared recently on the podcast that even calories in, calories out doesn't really pan out to be true. And one tool doesn't work for everyone. It's just flat out true, ladies. Let's look at what our most extreme tools are. Weight loss surgery, right? The ruin Y, gastric bypass surgery. It doesn't work for everyone. Some people don't lose that much weight. Some people regain it all. Our new craze, the weight loss shots. Did you know that 15% of people won't even respond to those? And a lot have side effects and probably you should if they're actually working. I think the bigger question on that is how long do you intend to be on them? Because for the majority of people, we agree they work if you stay on them for life. But most of us don't think of that as what we want to do in our goals. So there's so many tools out there that work for some people, but not for everyone. I would just share with you that knowing that, that it likely may be more of a tool issue than a willpower issue is something that I want you to know that we can agree on for weight loss. And I want you to hear that because every single week I tell my ladies in coaching, listen, this isn't about willpower. This isn't about you being a lazy person, not good enough, not helpful, just sitting around eating bonbons. That's not my ladies. And oftentimes I will hear them even in obesity medicine conferences say this reference, and I love it because this was me. Do you know how many highly successful, high achieving physicians are overweight? They have all the knowledge. They're not weak people. They went through medical school training. I went through medical school training, part of it as a single mom. I wasn't weak. I didn't lack willpower. I just had an inappropriate relationship with food. So it's not about that. That story is being proven wrong. So if you're stopping yourself because you're still stuck in that story, know that we can pretty much all agree that that's wrong. And anybody who's telling you that is not up on their research. And that's a good sign. 
Also, anybody who's telling you that their exact way is the only way is not up on their research. Because if that's all they have to offer you and no alternatives, and it's not working for you, it's not working, right? I love it. In one of my groups right now, I have one of my physician friends and we were on the coaching call last night and she said, you know, I just overthink everything. I overthink everything. And so one of the beliefs I wanna practice now is that I can trust the process. And I actually told her that's a good belief to practice, but I also think it might be the belief that I can figure out how to make this work for me. Because once we get told over and over again, well, that plan didn't work for you. That plan didn't work for you. That plan didn't work for you. There's no alternative. Sorry. We start to really believe there's no alternative. And I want to share with you that what I love so much about what I learn as I listen to all these different options is there's a lot of options. You got to figure out what works for you. I want to share with you today what we can agree works for weight loss. And then I'm also going to be very upfront with sharing with you how I make it work in Dr. Emily's School of Weight Loss. What tools we use, because these are my plans around how I see that work best for my ladies. Okay, so I think that that's important. I want to share with you what works and how we make it work, because I want you to consider that variations of this may work for you. My goal for my ladies in Dr. Emily's School of Weight Loss and for all of you who just listen to this podcast is to learn what works for you. I always tell my ladies, I want you to leave here with a PhD in what works for you. That's all I care about. You don't need to know everything I know, but I consider it my job to know enough to be able to guide you. And that's not my specific way always. So as I've done more and more research into this and really spent a lot of time thinking about what we can all agree works for weight loss, I came up with a list of five different things. All the conferences I go to, the coaching world, all the aspects of weight loss can agree on work and will get you better results. It's not gonna be all eating the same way. It's not gonna be exercise and it's not gonna be shakes and losing weight super fast because those aren't really the across the board things that work for weight loss. The number one thing that we all agree works for weight loss is to weigh yourself or track it regularly. Now, I would say that 90% of people agree on that being a daily process. Not everyone though. I'm reading a book right now, Finally Full, Finally Slim. She says do it weekly, and she's somewhat an, an expert in her area. So I read these things and I'm like, ooh, I don't really agree with that. I like the daily approach but it does need to be a consistent way to monitor progress. I would say the vast majority of us agree that that's daily. Some people may say weekly, but what we agree on is weighing regularly to monitor your progress. The second thing is to record your food intake. Have a way to monitor what you're eating. Once we start doing that, we are more cognizant of what goes in our mouth. We stop mindlessly eating if we record, and that leads to better weight loss results. The third is to set goals that motivate you, right? Have an actual goal in mind, not I'll settle for a few pounds, whatever I can do. Goals increase motivation if set appropriately, and goals matter. Don't get into that spin cycle of like, oh, I'll just see how long I can do it, because how long you can do it will be less than if you actually set a goal for yourself. The fourth is sustainability matters more than speed. The studies are absolutely there to support the risks of yo-yoing. 
So creating a plan that works for the long-term is better for your long-term weight loss than creating something that just gets it faster so you stay more motivated. And the fifth is that our eating is driven by dopamine. And what that means for you is that you need rewards in your life. And if food is the reward and you remove it and you have no others, you're going to be less successful with your weight loss attempts. So let me just review those really quickly, okay? Because I'm sure they're different than you thought. What we can all agree works for weight loss is a regular weighing consistent schedule to monitor your progress. Recording your food intake to minimize mindless eating. Setting goals that motivate you. Creating sustainability more than speed in your plan. And creating places for dopamine and not just deprivation through this journey. So those are pretty basic, right? You probably noticed I didn't tell you an exact eating plan. I didn't tell you to exercise. Those are things that just aren't agreed upon. In fact, in terms of exercise, I listened to the head of the Wild Cornell exercise program say, exercise isn't where weight loss is at. It's good for your health. We don't add it in until like eight to 10 weeks into our own program because it's not something we agree works. In fact, we agree it's important, but it doesn't work for weight loss. This is what we agree works for everyone for weight loss. Now I wanna share with you, that feels pretty dry. (laughs) I get that, I'm like, okay, do I really wanna start that? That sounds really exciting, right? I'm gonna weigh, I'm gonna record, I'm gonna set a goal, I'm gonna try to make it sustainable. How the heck do I do all of that? And I wanna share with you how I do it in Dr. Emily's School of Weight Loss and how my ladies are so successful at doing it in Dr. Emily's School of Weight Loss because my goal is to take this evidence-based information, first of all, break it down. That's broken down from studies, from many different speakers, from hearing all of the most recent research on it. That's broken down to simplify it for you, step one, and then to make it into tools that work, that you understand, that help you. So let's take a look at why you might be resistant to these things, why they might sound like something you're like, that sounds awful. (laughs) You're telling me to weigh the rest of my life and that's what works for weight loss? Great, right? I haven't gotten on the scale in three years. I hear that a lot. Even in my consults with ladies, they're like, well, the last time I weighed, um, it was at the doctor's office, right? (laughs) So let's take a look If this is really what works for weight loss, at what stands in the way of you doing that? And I wanna share with you how I use these tools in Dr. Emily's School of Weight Loss so you can understand it and maybe get a little more motivated to use them yourself. Let's look at the weighing regularly first. And I'm gonna say weighing daily because most people do agree on that. Some people may give you a longer time frame, so you can, you know, I've had ladies argue with me definitely on weekly weigh-ins and what I tell them then is the other five days of the week, you're going to wonder what's happening to the scale anyway, and you're going to have more anxiety around when you weigh than if you just do it every day. I like weighing daily. I think the importance is a consistent schedule, not one that's like, well, I'm not going to do it this week because I took a vacation, right? You get consistent in your schedule. And the reason that that sounds awful is because we put too much pressure on it. We make it mean something about our personal value instead of it just being a number. I love it in the Life Coach School, Brooke, who started it, always talks about the math versus the drama. I think of it as the scale versus the drama. The scale is just a representation of your gravitational pull. We make it mean a lot more than that, right? 
And so we do our weekly check-ins and I put in there, this is your number, not your value check-in. Weighing daily becomes more interesting, more exciting, more worth it when you take your personal value out of it. And you start looking at it as a reflection of your progress towards your goal, right? So I tell my ladies, if you're gonna have a PhD in what works for you, each day you're gonna look at what you ate and then you're gonna say, all right, this is what that does for me on the scale. This is what this does for my progress, not for me as a human being, for my progress. This is how my body interacted with the foods I ate yesterday. Had a little more salt, held a little more fluid. That's interesting. Had a little more sugar, scale stuck. That's interesting, right? When we take out our personal value from our daily weights, it becomes a reflection of our progress. So in Dr. Emily's School of Weight Loss, those are some of the thoughts that I help my ladies with. And then we look at scale drama. I actually have a sign that I have them hang over their scale of thoughts to practice when they get on the scale. So their relationship starts to change with it. It's things like what I just said. This is a metric for my progress, not my personal value. I am not defined by the scale. There's a lot of thoughts that you can shift around it that will then allow you to want to weigh. And here's the ultimate value in this, ladies. I've seen it, I know it, I do it all the time. I can tell you what the scale will be tomorrow within like a half of a pound. Cause I'm like, okay, yesterday I ate on plan, but I did have more salt. So that's gonna mean that the scale's gonna be a little bit higher than I would anticipate. Here's where it's gonna be. And I am almost always right. Do you know how much drama that takes out of your life to know exactly how you create results? That's beautiful. So in Dr. Emily's School of Weight Loss, we overcome the scale drama, we weigh daily, and we do that from a place of the thought, this is not my personal value. It's just a number to monitor my progress. Which brings me to point number two, which is to record food intake. Now, I find this to be terribly dry. Most of us generally don't do it well, right? If you look at the calorie counting apps, those are probably our best way historically that we all recorded progress, right? And we know we tend to underestimate our portion sizes. By the way, portion sizes are a whole different thing than I'm gonna do a podcast episode on as I talk about this because they're so confusing for people. But we underestimate it, right? You might go in and pick a portion size and you're like, but it was actually three times that what you really ate. So when we think of recording food, we think of it as that very like dry version of it that sounds pretty awful, right? But we know that if we record it, then we're not going to mindlessly eat. We're not gonna just be like, oh, I forgot this and I forgot that. And in our minds, we think we're doing really well, but we are doing all of these extra things that we didn't account for. So recording minimizes that. I actually don't love recording, period. It's kind of like tattletaling, right? I think the reason it feels so hard is because it's like, okay, now I need to go back and write a list of all the ways I was good or bad today. And even in this book that I'm reading currently, it really bothered me. I hit a section where she says, well, if you're going to eat ice cream and then you have to record it, you're going to think twice about it because you're going to feel bad about yourself. Well, I don't want to look at it like that. I don't think that's helpful. We're smart, intelligent women. Putting things in there that are like ice cream, now I'm a bad person is not helpful. It's not helpful in any way. And it's why we don't want to record. So we don't actually focus as much on recording as we do planning in advance. And in your energized eating plan, I'll tell you how we start the day. We weigh, we write out the weight, and then we write out our meal plan for the day. And here's what I want you to know. I don't even care that you record every ingredient. I want you to consider what's going in to how you're energizing your body today. I want you to maximize that. I don't care that you write to me, you know, three ounces of cheese. It doesn't matter to me. What matters is that when you plan in advance, 
you use your prefrontal cortex. That's the highest thinking part of your brain and allows you to say, okay, here's foods I like today. Here's what will energize my body. This is what's best for the healthy me today. And I still like them. And they're foods that I could eat the rest of my life. When we plan in advance, it looks different than recording what we quote unquote felt like eating in the moment. That's the definition of emotional eating, ladies. What I quote unquote felt like eating, there's a feeling there. What I felt like in the moment, even if you record it afterwards, may be different and many times is different than if you plan it in advance. So we create an energized eating plan that involves a daily routine of planning in advance, using the highest part of our brains to plan to eat to energize our bodies. And I love that so much more than recording food and trying to calculate calories or carbs or whatever you're trying to calculate. Because let's be honest, it doesn't work anyway. When you plan something in advance, not only do you do it from the highest part of you, but you create sustainable already. It's built in that process for you. So that really hits that point of sustainable matters more than speed. You're creating what works for you in a way that you're like, okay, I could do this every day. It's my plan. Taking ownership of that plan is just as important. The speed at which that occurs is different for everybody. I've been thinking about that a lot lately. If my ladies who hit their 10% goal in three months, six months, nine months, what is the unifying factor around them? And it's the thoughts that they create their energized eating plans from. I'll do a whole different podcast on that. But I just want you to consider that you're already working towards sustainable and you're determining the speed when you do that, when you plan in advance. When you record afterwards, you're just letting yourself be driven by what you feel like. And then you're like, okay, the speed's driven by what I feel like instead. See that? It's really interesting, ladies. It works. It works better for what really we can agree works for weight loss. Since we kind of touched on sustainability, I want to just throw in there that when you build your plan, it should be for sustainability. If you are just making a plan that's like only salads, here's what's going to happen. I got to give a shout out to Debbie because she's going to laugh so hard. And I know she listens to all these. She shared on our poaching call last night. This is the funniest thing and it was so genius. She has the funniest brain. It's how our brains work, ladies, but listen to this one. We were coaching on convenient eating. What's convenient, right? What do we go to for convenience? And what we determined is that it really is emotional eating that's kind of snuck in in a tricky way. But here's what she specifically noticed. She's like, I tell myself things like any protein counts as long as it's in a salad. So what she found she was doing with time is she's like, I'm putting like chicken Parmesan in my salad because it's a salad. And my sustainable thought has been, if it's in a salad, it's okay. It's a protein. She's like, so I will put like the most ridiculous proteins in my salad and justify it because it's in a salad. It's so funny what we'll tell ourselves works, right? And that may feel sustainable. We're like, I'll just put chicken Parmesan in my salad as my protein. This is ultimately the coaching difference. This is the fun of being in Dr. Lee's School of Weight Loss because the coaching difference comes when we're like, okay, there might be a thought error occurring here. (laughs) There might be a thought error occurring that's telling you it's just as good to put chicken parmesan as a protein in your salad. I mean, you can if it makes it sustainable, but ultimately your results will eventually be limited by that. And that's the space she's at. It'll get you a little ways. It's sustainable for a bit. We wanna create sustainable for life. 
And for a while, sustainable, maybe I'm going to put chicken Parmesan in a salad. Eventually, you're going to want to step that up, right? I always share with everybody that for me, for a very long time, the idea that I would eat the same thing for lunch would have sounded like, I'll be honest with you, torture. (laughs) It was not something I was ever interested in doing because I really had a lot of thoughts about what lunch represented to my life, especially when I had long days in my clinic. So there were thought errors beneath that. Sustainability shifts with you as you upgrade your thought errors, right? Your think, feel, eat cycles. That's a tool we use for sustainability in Dr. Emily's School of Weight Loss. So we use the energy eating plan as well as think, feel, eat cycles. Those two make weight loss sustainable. They change the mindset behind it. Through your energized eating plan, you learn what works for you. Through your think, feel, eat cycles, you learn why. And that's the most sustainable way to get out of yo-yo diet cycles. Now, there may be faster ways. I can help you speed that up, right? Like I said, you can do it 10% in three months, six months, nine months, I don't care. It's up to you, right? How fast are you willing to take on chicken parmesan in your salad? If that feels like torture, then you're not ready. Just give yourself a little longer. Eventually, you'll get there. That's the beauty of creating a sustainable path for you. If you're a person who goes on a lot of vacations, maybe you hit retirement age and you're like, I gotta figure out how to navigate that. 10% may take a little bit longer, but who cares? You're still headed there and you're figuring out a way to make it work in your real life. Or you may be a person like Carla on the podcast a few weeks ago, who's like, I am on this, it is changing, I am ready now. And her energized eating plan feels kind of diety to me. If I ate that way, it would feel diety. It's exactly what she loves. It works for her. We don't all have the same thoughts, ladies. Sustainable is individualized and it matters more than speed. I just tell my ladies, sometimes the lessons you needed to learn are worth more than 20 pounds. Because once you get over that late night snacking, shifting on the weekends, all of those spaces, once you learn how to redirect yourself, how to create new results, it's worth more than 20 pounds for your future. So if you need a few extra weeks to figure that out, it's okay, we got it. And that's sustainability. So let me go back to our goals then, right? Setting goals that motivate you. And the medical world would call these SMART goals. And I've done a podcast episode on that. So we'll link it in here if you want to go back and and listen to those SMART goals. I think we can all relatively agree on a 10% goal. Although I have heard people speak on 5 versus 15%. But here's what we know. Generally, a 10% corrects most of the underlying health risks that you have going forward. Generally, we would agree on a BMI body mass index of 22 to 25, but I'm not even going to say that everyone agrees on that because that's not an everyone. I think the stats are pretty much there. It's the vast majority, but maybe not everybody agrees on that as your goal. I certainly agree that that's the goal. But setting a goal that motivates you, something that you're working toward is something that everyone agrees on. When I consider these goals, I look at this as we aren't creating short-term weight loss. I don't want you in your next yo-yo cycle. I want you to learn how to be the healthiest version of you. And the studies support 10% as being the vast majority of that. And here's why I would recommend that being your first goal. Because for many of you who have 100 pounds to lose, that feels scary. It feels distant. It feels like something you could never do. And telling yourself, well, losing 20 pounds isn't anything devalues that achievement. So 10%, and by that I mean what your initial weight is. So let's say you weigh 200 pounds today, losing 10% would be losing 20 pounds. So hitting the goal of 180 pounds would be a 10% weight loss from your initial body weight. It's a very simple calculation and it means a lot for your health for most of you. 
I did a podcast episode a few weeks ago on the body positivity movement. And yes, ladies, we do agree that not everyone who is in the overweight or obese categories ends up with health complications. But we also know that you're 27 times more likely to have diabetes if you're in the obese category than if you're at a quote unquote normal weight category, meaning your BMI is between 22 and 25, 27 times more likely. So I wanna give that caveat because it is something that not everyone agrees on. There is a whole movement out there that says you don't need to be at this weight to be healthy. There are some really ridiculous small studies to support that. Yes, you could end up with no health complications from your weight. But we also know that there are huge increase in the risks of forms of cancer, heart disease, dementia, diabetes, depression, arthritis, every aspect of quality of life for the majority of us. It may be that you're a person whose epigenetics interacts differently, right? You get lucky. It doesn't hit you, right? It doesn't cause complications for your life, but you would absolutely be the minority. Okay, and I think most of us can agree on the fact that we're not willing to take that chance. If it's something that we could fix, why wouldn't we try to fix it? If it's something that could give us better health outcomes, why wouldn't we work towards that? I think we can mostly all agree on that. So I wanna be very fair in this and tell you opinion versus fact, right? Goals matter. What that goal is can be different. I wanna share with you in Dr. Emily's School of Weight Loss, I absolutely recommend an initial 10% because of all of the health improvements that happen there It's motivating in the short term. It's not as overwhelming as your ultimate healthy weight goal, but that ultimate healthy weight goal should be your long-term goal, according to me. And if you don't know what that is, I have an amazing freebie. You can go get it. We'll link it in the show notes as well. It says, what is your healthiest weight? And in there, I actually share with you, what are the health benefits from losing 10%? I don't wanna go over it all here because this is gonna be a longer episode as it is. But know that that 10% goal matters and for most of us, it's very motivating in the short term. Ultimately, that long-term goal is where you wanna be. It's the healthiest version of you. As I shared a few minutes ago, how long you take to get there, the sustainability of it, it's different for everybody and that's okay. One of my goals for my ladies for the future is looking at, as I've been working at these tech projects and I'm looking at these things all differently now, I'm looking at my stats on my ladies of when they hit 10% and what was the unifying factor and what was it about them? And I can tell you, the ones who do it in three months are just like on it, A game, super motivated, no distractions, their brain is always there. The ones who do it in six months have a little life lived there right? You can live a little life. Carla had a few big grief grief episodes in her first three months and still hit 10%. By the way, ladies, she did this for an extensive amount of time. She hit 10% the first three months every time. So you can deal with those, right? But it may be a story where you're like, no, I'm going to be doing it traveling. And your thought may be, do I just not start? If that's the thought, just make it a six month goal or a nine month goal. Extend the goal out instead of giving up on the goal. And I would say that most of us agree on that. In the SMART goals, what I always tell my ladies, if you give on one, make it specific, measurable, achievable, and relevant. 10% is specific, measurable, achievable, and relevant. Your ultimate health goal is specific, measurable, achievable, and relevant. That being said, time is the last one. That's the one I would extend. Don't give up on the goal. Just live your life and keep progressing towards it. Give yourself a little more time because sustainability matters more than speed. And the last is that our brain wants dopamine hits. Here's one of the newer things that we've really learned about eating. 
it's wild to consider, but because we now have functional MRIs, we can measure all of these like hormone levels that we never really could before. We have so much more capability to look at this. And we know that dopamine is highly involved in our eating and how much we have and how your genetics triggers that and all that is different. And that's still being learned. But we do know that for all of us on some level, we get a little dopamine release. Dopamine is our reward-based neurotransmitter in our brain. It's like, ooh, we like it. And by the way, ladies, we have to. If we didn't, we would stop eating and then we would die. So humans will always have that. We all have that on some level. Even the people who've never struggled with their weight have a dopamine release with eating. That is something that we can agree on, that dopamine rewards exist in food, period. What you do with that ultimately determines your results. And here's what I wanna share with you. The reason that sounds awful, for those of you who it sounds awful for, is simply because you're like, so I just have to be deprived. If I'm gonna lose weight, I have to be miserable. I'm gonna be honest with you, I kinda think that's what the dieting industry teaches us. They're like, feel so good about your abs, let me show you mine, right? This is what you'll have. And then you're like, wait, I have skins. Hashtag skin happens, right? I'm not that anyway. (laughs) Who cares? Who cares about all the abs, really? In that space though, is the thought that like, that's the ultimate reward. The way I look at this is very different. I did a Pleasure Stack podcast episode recently. I firmly believe that building your life up as the healthy you, as your reward, is the ultimate reward we want through weight loss. Living without restrictions is the ultimate reward we want through weight loss. Being present for our children, going on those hikes, being active, having the energy to interact with our loved ones, with our spouse at the end of the day, is what we really want through weight loss. Being down on the ground and playing with our grandkids is what we really want through weight loss. Going to the doctor's office, one of my ladies had this happen this week, and being told all of your labs look normal and your health risk is minimized is what we ultimately want through weight loss. Those are rewards. Those are rewards. Those are things that'll give you dopamine hit. Food is just standing in the way of those when you rely on it for all of your dopamine hits. So food is cheap, it's easy, it's accessible, it's easy to be there for a really good little reward in the moment. And if you tell yourself through dieting, you just have to give up all reward, you won't stick very long. That's what happens. My tool is to build a life-focused, healthy you before you even start this journey. So my ladies on our first call, I say, how do you wanna feel? Let's start practicing that. What do you wanna believe about yourself? We're practicing it now. We're letting go of that old story. We're creating her every single day of this journey so that by the time you get there, she's the reward you get. Not some silly picture of flat abs. You're like, no, you don't understand. I played with my grandkids this week. You don't understand. I sat and read a book on the back porch and that felt better to me than Oreo cookies. There's simple rewards that you can create when you stop telling yourself this whole process is about only deprivation. It's not, ladies. You are creating amazing rewards for your life. Let them be the reward. Focus on those instead of just the deprivation that we've been sold is weight loss. And that's how we build it in Dr. Emily's School of Weight Loss. We use what we all agree on, regular weighing, recording food, setting goals, creating sustainability, creating rewards, and we make it lighter. We understand why it works. We change the thought errors around it. So it's something that we want to do instead of something that's dry, awful, and we have to do. We do that by overcoming scale drama and separating our personal value from the value on the scale. 
We do that by learning our energized eating plans, planning them in advance in a way that energizes you, that you like the foods you eat, and that you can stick to the rest of your life. We do that by setting 10% goals and ultimate healthy weight goals. We learn to recognize emotional eating as we continue on this path through our think, feel, eat cycles, and we become the healthy you. I break this down to my ladies, three words, energize, empower, embody. Learn to energize your body through your weight loss journey, through your energized eating plan. Learn to be empowered to stick to that plan by becoming the authority of your own plan and embody, live as the healthy you. Comes down to being that simple. So as I shared earlier, there's some fun things coming, ladies, especially for my lovely long-term podcast listeners. If you haven't gotten the freebie, click the link in the show notes, find out your goals, and you can start this process now. Now, likely there's gonna be some thought errors that come up. There's gonna be some feelings that you eat. You're gonna be like, why does this feel heavy? That's the coaching difference. And I've got some exciting things coming in the near future for you. If you loved today's episode, make sure to share it with a friend who needs to hear it too. Leave me a review and click subscribe to get the latest updates on all my new podcast episodes. Ready to reach your healthy weight goals and drop the endless diet cycle? Head on over to emilyvinzantmd.com and learn more about working with me in Dr. Emily's School of Weight Loss, my virtual weight loss coaching program. The link is in my show notes. 